the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Today we're going to start the 16th chapter of the book of Romans, which is the final chapter of Romans. And this is going to be both informative and entertaining because I'm going to read through the greetings in the original language, so you should enjoy that. The reason I'm going to go through those is, number one, there are some things in there. There's an introduction there that's very important. But you, in going through that, you're going to recognize that Paul had a personal relationship with these people. He had a personal relationship. A lot of them he'd never even seen or met. But he knew them by name. Secondly, I think, you know, if you're like me and you come to those sections where they name off, particularly in the begat section, the begat section, and begat and begat and begat, you just kind of go right on through that because, you know, what's the point, right? But it's important, it's important to mention these people because they're just like you and I. They're real people. They're real people who lived in a very real world, who had the same issues that you and I have, who occasionally got up on the wrong side of the bed, who worried about whether or not they were going to be able to make ends meet, who wondered what the future held for them, that dealt with all the same issues that you and I deal with and more. These are real people who literally struggled through living with a determination to believe the truth. And they fashioned their lives around what they believed. That's key. They did not take what they believe and allow it to somehow dissipate in the life that they formed for themselves. They fashioned their lives around what they believed. And what they believed became life to them. More important to them than their comfort. More important to them than than the promise of future. More important than anything else. And they also understood that song that we just sang. They were they together to be reminded, to be reminded of who they were. Because there is nothing apart from this Word, the Word in you, and your Christians, brothers and sisters, who will ever remind you of the truth. And sometimes they don't do that. This place, this gathering, 
It's about reminding you of who you are. You will spend the rest of your time out there being told it's not true. This life that you have within you is easily ignored when you seek to know who you are out there. When the world tells you something totally different. You know, it's kind of remarkable as we go through these that given the absence of technology and a reliable carrier system that that Paul had such familiarity. He greets 27 people by name as well as two unnamed saints. He also greets some home fellowships. And at the close of his greetings, he greets nine believers who were with him in Corinth. Wow. What you see is not only Paul, the theologian, and the tireless missionary, you see a man who developed personal relationships, personal relationships that were not developed in correspondence, but were developed in a relationship in Christ. These relationships were founded in Christ. There was a connection that went far beyond his ability to correspond. There was a love that went far beyond their personal affinities. There was a relationship that went far beyond their ability to connect physically. That is what God is seeking us to to endure, to, to cultivate within our own relationships in the church. All right, let's look at Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. Romans 16, verses 1 and 2. And you're going to see that the pronunciations that we lend to these things versus the original language are quite a bit different. Now, I introduce and commend to you our sister, Foybe. Foybe. Foybe, a deaconess of the church of King Krei that you may receive her in the Lord with a Christian welcome, as saints, God's people, ought to receive one another. And help her in whatever she may require assistance from you. For she has been a helper of many, including myself, shielding us from suffering. Now, this is a commendatory introduction, which was common in that day. Uh, when Christians would travel from one fellowship to another, they would carry letters of introduction. And as we've said before, travel in those days was somewhat risky at best and proved very dangerous, particularly for women. And public places to stay, there wasn't a day's inn or a number three motel or anything else around there. They were far and few. So a letter of commendation was helpful in order to find some place private to stay, some hospitality, private hospitality out there. She is introduced as Paul's, by Paul as a sister in Christ, which had as much relevance to the early church as blood relation. Not so today, huh? But that's the truth. Phoebe was uh, a name that means bright and radiant. She lived in Kingrei, a harbor village in the eastern, eastern Corinth where Paul had stopped during his third missionary journey. She was probably a Gentile since her birth, uh, her birth name is similar to that of a pagan goddess of that era. And Paul had a great admiration for her. 
Because she was continually available to serve. She was continually available to give herself to whatever the Spirit of God had for her to do. The verse that we just read has been very controversial. You can imagine why. Because Paul names her as a deaconess, and we're going to talk about that briefly. Paul uses that Greek word, deaconos, and it is the term that from which we get the word deacon, and the word was used in a general sense. Of a general, It was a general term used of servants many years before we ever established the office of deacon. Now, in Paul's day, women cared for the sick, they helped with the baptism of other women, they taught and discipled women and children. We cannot say for certain, many want to stand on this, but we cannot say for certain on one side or the other whether she ever really held an office within the church. Okay? What we do know is that she was definitely highly favored and proven as a servant of the church. Now here's the reality. There are areas of ministry to women that would not be appropriate for a man to undertake. And this is where deaconess, a deaconess is born. It is not an administrative position. It is a servant's position. Okay? So if you hear people that want to argue for or against deaconess, first of all, they need to understand what deaconess is, what a deacon is. It's a servant. It's a servant. Okay? And then secondly, they need to understand that it is not the same as what some denominations have made it out to be in, in terms of being an administrative position. It is not. Okay? So a little, little housekeeping for us there. A little history. All right? Uh, it is believed that she was entrusted with taking the Roman letter to the fellowship in Rome. Wow. Think about that. She was literally carrying this most important treatise to the church in Rome. He didn't give it to some man with a troop of soldiers. He didn't give it to anyone. He gave it to Phoebe. Why? Because he trusted her heart. He trusted her desire to serve. And she has been reliable. Paul says that she is to be, to be greeted and received in the Lord, which means you receive, when you see that, it means you receive her in the same way the Lord receives her. In the same way. That means unconditionally. That means with unconditional love and acceptance. And he says that this is the way that believers should receive believers. In other words, that should be normal. He is saying that she is family, receive her as family, take her in and care for her. She has done as much for others and for me. Honor her as a saint, just as you are saints. Which means born of God, sent of God, and active, and an active ministry of God. That's what a saint is. Born of God, sent of God, and an active ministry of God. Romans 16, verses 3 through 5. Give my greeting to Prisca and Akulas, my fellow workers in Christ, who risked their lives endangering their very necks for, for my life. 
To them, not only I, but also the churches among the Gentiles give thanks. Remember me also to the church that meets in their house. Greet my beloved Ephanatos, Ephanatos, who was a first fruit, a first convert in Christ in Asia. Now, Priscus and Aquilas were Jew- a Jewish couple that Paul met on his first trip to Corinth. And it was during that time, the reason they were there was during that time that the emperor of Rome had expelled all the Jews. And they were tent makers just like Paul was. So they hit it off. And when Paul went to Ephesus, they, re- they went with him and settled there for a time. And then later, obviously, they returned to Rome and were part of the fellowship there. Paul mentions their service to him. He mentions their service to the Gentile church and that this probably took place, churches, this probably took place in Ephesus. And Paul calls them fellow workers. You see that? Now what that means, what, what's in Paul's mind there is that their work is just as important as my work. We are on level ground. We are fellow workers. That's pretty uh, awesome when you think about it, to be on level ground and a fellow worker with Paul. In Paul's mind, their service was of equal value. They also had a church meeting in their home, which indicates a level of devotion and commitment. Whatever else they did, they did principally because it was just about Jesus. (laughs) They were all about service to the Lord. And Paul gives a loving greeting to Ephanatos, and he refers to him as his beloved first fruit, which is a Jew- Jewish term that we've heard around here before. It literally refers to uh, when the Jews brought an offering or they had a harvest, they would separate part of the ha- harvest and say, this is unto the Lord. This is the first fruit. Taking the first fruit, setting aside the first fruit, Unto the Lord, not only dedicated the first fruit, but dedicated the entire harvest unto the Lord. Paul calls this man our first fruit. He was the first fruit in Asia. And then, of course, he he moved to uh, Rome as well. And he says, greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard among you, who actually has been called in some scripts as Mary the toiler. Now, that's a hardworking lady there to earn that reputation. Remember to a drunkenness, a drunkenness, and une as my tribal kinsmen and once my fellow prisoners. These were men that were held in high esteem among the apostles who also were in Christ before I was. And most likely these were Jewish believers that had been in prison for their faith. It's not believed that they were blood related to Paul, but they were believers before they met Paul. So probably they were believers because they were in Jerusalem and were under the ministry of the apostles. That was before Paul met them. They knew the Lord. Remember Amplias, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbanos, our fellow worker in Christ. And my dear Stahos, I know that looks like Stackies. But it's Stahos. It's not the restaurant that serves the peanut log. Okay? Stahos. Greet Apelles, 
The one who tried and improved in Christ, the Messiah, remember me to those who belong to the household of Aristobulus. And then Paul also mentions the, slave of, the slaves of that household. Greet my tribal kinsmen, Herodion, and those in the Lord who belong to the household of Narcissus. It is believed that Herodion was actually a relative of Paul. But it's not sure that he was a Christian because you don't see any of the praise that Paul gives to the others. Salute those workers in the Lord. The name of these workers, these are ladies. Trophina, which means the delicate. And Trufusa, meaning dainty. Greet my dear Persique, who has worked so hard in the Lord. Now listen, all of these women were known for their exhausted unfailing service unto the Lord and unto the saints. These people greeted each other with great love and acceptance, but not only that, they were involved in each other's lives. So it wasn't just about the work that they had in their own household. They lended themselves to be servants to the whole body, the whole fellowship. And these ladies ran circles around the fellowships in service. So the Greek there, when it defines hard workers, it's literally talking about exhausting labor. These are ladies that gave themselves wholly to the service of the body of Christ. Rufas, the eminent in the Lord, also to his mother, who has been a mother to me as well. Greet Akronkritos and Phlegon and Hermes and Patrobas, and Hermas, and the brethren who are with them. Greet Philogas, Julia, Neros, and the sister Olympas, and all the saints who are with them. Wow. Now, first of all, I read those so that you would know that there are people... They're not just people we read out of the Bible. These are real people. I also read them because they're in the book. I read them because they're part of the chapter. And there's a reason Paul named them. See, Paul knew that these people would not be just hearing about their mention. He knew that that letter would be read when they were all gathered together in a group. He knew that each person, as that name was brought up, would, would perk up and, and pay attention. And they would remember. They would know that there's a connection. Just as I could name most of you sitting out there by name. I know you personally. That Paul does this with the Roman fellowship. But it's not just about Paul. Who is dictating these letters? The Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God, the Father Himself, that are naming them off. And He's saying to these, these fellow believers, each one with their own world, their own set of problems, who have gathered together, God has brought them together as a family. And He says, I know you, and I know you, and I know you, and I know you. And this is what I think about you. You are a hard worker. You are a servant of the Lord. You are given you are, you are profound in faith. He's making statements. This is the Lord bragging on His children. 
And he's the one who's acclaiming the hard work of these ladies. It's not the typical martyr syndrome that there uh, some ladies writing out, you have no idea what I do around here. No, this is literally the Spirit of God pointing out the truth. He sees, He knows, and He wants them to know. Romans 16, 16. Greet one another with a holy, consecrated kiss. All the churches of Christ, the Messiah, wish to be remembered to you. Now Paul is, has been writing about unity once again, and he is asking the fellowship to demonstrate, to exercise a demonstration of their affection for one another. That's what that's about. He says, give each... Now that was an oriental custom among close friends and family. It's not what it is in America today. It literally means that you are part of my life. You are special to me. And that consecrated kiss is this. We belong to the Lord together. We belong to the Lord together. You are part of my life because you're part of His life. Now, obviously it wouldn't seem appropriate to go around doing that today. But there's nothing wrong with embracing one another in love. There's nothing wrong with expressing your affection towards each other in the love of Christ. We should be free to do that as the family of God. I tell you what, they're free to do it out there. They're sure free to do it out there, to twist and corrupt and turn it into something ugly and sordid. Now, Paul is, is encouraging to express their love to one another. The same thing he wrote in Romans fifteen seven. He's basically reminding them that we need to recognize that we are one body. And the other thing you might note is that many of these believers had lost all connection to their blood relations because of their faith. These are people that have literally in their own cities, in the midst of their own city, in the midst of being surrounded by family, had literally been displaced because they chose to believe. They had lost moms and dads. They had lost cousins and aunts and uncles. They had lost sisters and brothers. And when they gathered together to them, this was family. They took it seriously because every other assemblage of family had been ripped away from them. That's why it was so personal. That's why you see all of these issues that are cropping up in these in the epistles that Paul's addressing, and you see people being offended, you see personal issues, and when you see Paul going after division and separation and immorality and, and things that, that the enemy tried to put into these, these fellowships. You see him going with teeth bared after these things. Because it's just like it's just like an intruder coming into your home. It's like somebody breaking into your house wanting to to harm or hurt your loved one and steal from you. That's the way Paul saw it because that's the way the Spirit of God sees it. We are all one. We are all part of the same body. And Paul calls them to make an open display of their mutual affection which would be contrary to what the world represents. They have been divided on many lines before this. They were Jews, they were Gentiles, they were Greeks, they were Romans. They were divided in all kinds of lines. Even today as we sit here in this, in this uh, church, there are a lot of lines of division that we either choose to recognize or ignore. But I'm telling you in the body of Christ there is no division. 
There's not a single line dividing us. Romans 10.12 says, For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord over all of us, and He generously bestows His riches upon all who call upon Him in faith. Now we come to the warning. Now remember that Paul has been writing about restoring unity, destroying the lines of separation with the bond of love in Christ. We had a division between the weak and the strong. And our motive in all these things should be to express the character of Christ. And this we can do because we have His character written in our very nature. We said at the beginning that when we started this study, I think around uh, chapter 14, somewhere in there, I made the statement that one of the enemy's greatest strategies is to divide and conquer. Now that's the reality of it. What the enemy seeks to do in the body of Christ is to divide and conquer. We see Paul in his epistles battling this over and over again. And you know, when I hear modern day preachers address this point, they always point to the effect that separation, dissension, and fights within the body of Christ have on our witness to the world. And yes, that's a valid point. It's a sad effect of a separation in the body. But I wonder if the enemy is as worried about the witness of the church as he is the strength of the believer who is affirmed by faith within the fellowship and living in contrast to the world, the effect it has on him. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, Visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.